Gavin, Louie, we have a date with Destiny, and she ordered lobster. I know what that's from. What is that from? I want to say that that is from Mystery Men. Yes. Which I saw on purpose. Have you never seen it before? I actually had. Uh, I was going to say, because I'm old enough to have seen it in the theater. I didn't see it in theaters, but I was a child and I saw it. And I, I mean, that was when like, Every comic book superhero thing to me was cool. Okay, and no I, I, was, I thought you were gonna say it's when every comic book superhero thing was coming out, and I was like, oh, no, 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 that predated. This was when it was like all just like very like I was like, yes, all superheroes. And so I saw this movie going into it, thinking like it's gonna be awesome, and it fucking wasn't because I was a kid wanting it to be awesome, and it was like Ben Stiller making jokes. Yeah, he's the worst bit of it. We think you did something bad to Captain Amazing. We would like you to tell us where he is. Captain who? This name does not ring any bells with me. I don't like your tone, Frankenpuss. And do yourself a favor and don't punch my clock, because I'm a Pantera's box you do not want to open. It is Pandora. Uh, please don't correct me. It sickens me. You guys never learn, do you? Anyway, welcome to the Mixed Reviews! <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi, I'm Gavin. I'm Louie, and that was like a long setup for a joke that was meh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're a film podcast in which we talk about things in the film industry, sometimes as yeah. an actor, sometimes as a director, sometimes writer, and this time... This time we're talking about super teams in film. Yes. Um, and this is, uh, I guess, pegged to uh, that... Trash monster yeah. of a movie, Justice League. The opening of Justice League. Right. And uh, it seems to be a smaller opening than anyone expected. Did you... Ugh, I can't, can we stop talking about openings, Gavin? <laughs> First of all. It's because, you know, as an audio-only podcast, they can't see the faces I'm making. <laughs> did you see Justice League? I did not. And I feel good about that. I'll be I, I went on a date yesterday and... Bless his soul. I was like, listen, I need to go see Justice League. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and he was, I like that you're like, I need to. And I was like drinking at a bar after going to the exam <laughs> at 7 p.m. And I was like, do I see Justice League? No. Let's, I'm fine. Another old fashioned, please. Right. Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, like, so the movie's happening and he's like, do we know what those boxes are? I was like, no, we don't know. And like the entire movie was like, dragging on. I was, it finishes and we were leaving and like these these kids, these precious children, they were like, Wait. I do believe the children are our future. They, they are. Yes. Correct. Other lyrics by Whitney Houston. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> they were like, wait, there's like a, a scene at the end. And I was like, oh, thank you. I don't care. <laughs> yes, I don't care. <laughs> did you see that there is a Justice League porn parody? Yes. And with Manila. See- yeah, they got Manila to play Fucking Wonder amazing. Woman. Us <sighs> casting. You know, I'll be honest, something bad happens to Gal Gadot. Cast Manila. Manila's perfect. <laughs> Just put her in. Yeah. No, no one no, will know. We love you, girl. Oh. <laughs> Keep going. Mm-hmm. You're making it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Justice League is trash. I'm sure we'll talk about it more later yes. as the episode's going. Oh, before we move into our super teams, we <laughs> should cover some old business. Last episode, we talked about Mr. Mm, Dancing Queen himself, Sam Rockwell. That was such a good episode. I must admit, and people really liked it. They like, not to talk about numbers, people dug that episode. And not to talk about the metrics, but <laughs> <laughs> we dig in. Uh, yeah, I, I loved that episode too. And what I love the most is... You fucking lost the poll, Gavin. I did lose the poll, but you know what? 
the, the first of all, stiff competition. I actually really like how people voted. Yeah. And on top of that, uh, I would like to believe most of these people just have not seen Confessions of Dangerous Mind. So your homework, folks, go see Confessions of Dangerous Mind. It's I mean, that's what you want to believe. Yes. People probably just really like Moon because Moon came out uh, overwhelmingly as fifty-two percent. Listen, uh, Louie, I cried myself to sleep last night. I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> you, you told me, how many times have you watched Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? Uh, probably like four or five over the years, but like in college, at least three times. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, so yeah, Long Dogs, surprisingly, Long Dogs came out at 21%. Yes. Um, which is a weird-ass movie, but good. My pick, The Way Way Back, got 18%, and your pick, uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, got 9%. Um, also, a strong um, a backlash from folks who yeah. really wanted some Hitchhiker's Galaxy. And Galaxy Quest. Both, yeah. of, both of his, like, big... Uh, sci-fi. Sci-fi ventures, where yeah. he's... The funny thing is, is he's, like, an ensemble person in both of those. Yeah. So I wonder if our audience just really loves him when he's, you know, rocking the ensemble life. Yeah, I'm rocking the ensemble life, but also being super hilarious in space. Um, I do enjoy, we also got a comment today uh, from Rose, and it says, he deserved an Oscar nom for Moon, and also just for this scene, and it's the dancing scene for Charlie's Angels. That's... And you know what, Rose? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I, I thought Moon would have gotten him a nomination, and I am very surprised he yeah. did not. Anyway, that was a fun episode. We love him. Yes. And... Um, also things of note, we were, I was complaining about how we had to pick, you know, if we were going to do a straight white guy, it was going to be Sam Rockwell. And now that I'm thinking about it, I chose this topic. Yeah. Both times I've chosen genre topics. They're like the straightest, most masked topics. <laughs> I also chose Buddy Flake movies. Well, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. We're talking about super teams and it is very mask for mask. Oh no, he's throwing up. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, pause for laughter, pause for me slitting my wrists. <laughs> Enough. Enough. I'm very proud of that one. Um, that's, I'm starting the Injustice League right now. <laughs> I'm calling the police. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. What, this is like some self-hating shit where I'm like picking these like fucking straight topics. But you know what? I'm subverting the genre, <laughs> finding what I like. Yes. Um, so take that. Yes. Uh, so, uh, to get into our topic of super teams, I yes. think we should move into our rewind. Yes. I did a little bit of research, and also, I, I didn't watch a lot of movies just in the past two weeks, because I've seen a lot, bunch of them. Right. You are also traveling. I'm traveling next week. Yeah. Sorry, these two, two weeks might... these. Two episodes might be a little lighter, but right. that's fine. But also, I mean, I've seen, uh, growing up, a huge fan of all this stuff. We're both kind of comic book nerds. Yes. Um, and so I, I filled in the blanks, though, with some of the things I hadn't watched. And I, going in, you know, we, we come up with a topic, and we have two weeks to do all of this. Um, and so going in the, the very next day after we recorded our episode, I began feeling overwhelmed, and I immediately texted you. And I was like, uh, like, ground rule. Four people or more on the right. team because I I didn't want to have to like include like Batman and Robin right and right, like right. we're I, talking it, about like four full teams, teams. so yeah. like, we're not going to be talking about any Spider Man movies right um, Superman movies right uh, I mean uh, like so Justice League kind of stuff in that yeah work. so um to get into it though I thought it, it's important to like kind of figure out you know how superheroes in general got onto the screen so. As long as popular comic books um, characters have been around, there's been TV and movie adaptations of superhero movies. Uh, no two teen movies were made, though, for a long while. And with the decline of Saturday serials and comic, the comic book industry in the 30s um, was full of turmoil, 
Um, those shows and adaptations kind of went away in the following decades. And so it wasn't until Superman in 1978 that we see our first big budget like movie come out. And that was riding on the success of other sci-fi movies like Star Wars. Yes. Um, so I wanted to ask you though, cause I have a big question mark. Is Masters of the Universe a superhero movie? I mean, Technically, yeah, Masters in the Universe was created by a toy company. Right. Like, the cartoon Masters in the Universe was created to sell toys by Mattel. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, I would, I would there's fit a, in. There's, I, there's a movie. I'll be, uh, yeah. It, I, I, I put a question mark because it is, it is a team movie as well because he's, well, I mean, part of the reason is, is they cast Dolph Lundgren, who is not very good, <laughs> but they gave him, a team of people that help him throughout the film. I, you know, I didn't even think about that movie during the, during the, I, I mean, I was trying this to, this is, like, this is why I'm glad I set some rules because right. like, yeah, cause that's a really good one. But I, I was thinking the GI, the GI Joe films are technically super team movies because even though they're people, they're doing like incredibly extraordinary things. Right. So, um, also a thing as I was going through, I was kind of uh, shocked that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is also one of the first mm-hmm. team superhero movies that came out and that was in 1990. I'd like to invite you all in, but uh, I really don't have anything to offer you guys except for a uh, frozen pizza. Let's go for it! You said the magic word. You guys eat pizza? Doesn't, Doesn't everybody? everybody? Yeah, well, um. All right, um. Hey! Did she say pizza? So you live in an antique store? Yep, pizza! Well, above, actually. Also, a fun fact about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for a very long time, it was the highest grossing independent film of all time. Yeah, yeah. And most people don't realize that. And you know, one of the things that unseated it was Iron Man, because when Iron Man was made, Marvel was an independent studio. Love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I actually wrote that down. Um, and just like a quick little fun fact, the turtle costumes were developed by Jim Henson's Creature Shop, and that was one of the last projects that Jim Henson worked on before he died. Yeah. Um, in 1994, The Crow became the first independent comic ser- superhero film that established a franchise. Um, not a team movie, though, so we're not going to discuss yeah. that. Power Rangers. <laughs> untapped potential there. Uh, um, Power Rangers, yeah. the first movie that came out in 1995. That was a very early um, uh, adaptation of a team movie. Um, and so I brought up The Crow, though, because this is like the beginning of... A huge, like, wave of superhero movies yeah. that started coming out. Um, so, with The Crow's success, Spawn came out. Um, and with all these darker things coming out with, like, not super mainstream heroes, um, Men in Black comes out in 1997. And Men in Black was... Uh, so, Marvel bought Malibu Comics. Right. And they put Which, out... Which, by the way, Marvel, please bring back Malibu Comics. As a lifelong comic book fan, I really like that. <laughs> I love Ultra Force. Quick aside. So it's because of um, Spawn and also Blade, I might add, in 1998. Or yeah. Men in Black in 1997, Spawn in 1997, Blade in 1998. And people were starting to realize, oh shit, these can be right. successful. Um, and think about it like... Spawn, Men in Black, and Blade were not like top tier, yeah. you know, like well, I mean, go to, and that's and that's the thing that's interesting about them because even if you go back to like '89, which was Batman's uh, yeah. Burton's first Batman, you like he's a mainstream character. He had already had a TV show in the '60s, right. and like admittedly, Burton changed the way people thought about him, but you didn't. It wasn't like clearly 
the crow works because Batman's laid the groundwork, yeah, but yeah. it's an independent thing yeah. and it's able to do something else. You also could put in the mask in there, yeah, which totally. is a, which is a sort of subversion of what it did. The mask was a Dark Horse Comics character, and he he was like homicidal and violent and gross and i remember my dad bought me those comics after the movie and it was like i couldn't bring them to school yeah inappropriate it's super inappropriate i saw after i saw spawn i was trying to look for it on like we had like a trial version of hbo at the house yeah and like i tried the cartoon the cartoon animated and, vaginas everywhere literally i was <laughs> and i remember I, my parents had taken me to see spawn in theaters or something. And so at home, they're like, what are you watching? I was like, oh, don't worry, mom and dad. I saw this at theater already. And then I was like, this is not what I saw in the theater. <laughs> it was so like yeah, gruesome and definitely graphic. I, should, I yeah. should not have been watching it as, yeah, a, yeah. as a kid. Um, and I guess so of these things that we're talking about, Men in Black counts. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Tech. Even though, tech, I mean, technically there are two, but it's an entire network of people. Right. So I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'll let it pass. I'll let it pass. Um, Jury says. Right. Um, and so through all this, Spider-Man's coming around in 2002. Yes. Spider-Man becomes huge. Um, and that just like fucking, I mean, and that is laying everything down, you know, like, uh, 20th Century Fox then gets the rights to, um, X-Men. Um, and X-Men in 2000 becomes uh, a hit. And so th- literally the 2000s, mid 2000s was just like a fucking onslaught of all these movies. You got the Fantastic Four movies. You get, um, all the X-Men sequels. You get, um, the Watchmen, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Daredevil, Elektra, New Catwoman, um, all these fucking, uh, co- movie, uh, right. movies based on comic books. Um, and that leads us to 2006 when Marvel, um, establishes their line of credit with Merrill Lynch and they decide that they're gonna fucking make their own movies. Right. Um, and, I mean, of, of course they don't have like X-Men or, or Spider-Man, but it starts, this fucking like huge wave of what we now know is the right. Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, which leads up to the Avengers, which is probably like the modern grandfather of like these team up movies. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, it's it's sort of the the team up films that have come since have sort of found a way to pattern themselves off it, and it's everything from properties that were already established that already had films. The new Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles from yeah. 2014 yeah. couldn't exist without the Avengers, which is funny because they'd already existed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. And and I'm only talking about like these, like, so when you like think about Iron Man movies, Thor movies, Captain America movies, Hulk movies, right. these were all laying the groundwork for the ultimate team-up movies um, in uh, the Avengers. Then you get Guardians of the Galaxy, which is another right. like, team that Marvel said, let's fucking go for it. And it's, it's funny because... Um, What's interesting, uh, I, I have a couple of reference books with me as well, and uh, what's interesting is Marvel, if you want to talk about like the comic book movies specifically, Marvel has always been ahead of DC by their one trump card, which is they are have always been interested in a coherent universe. Yeah. Marvel, under Stan Lee in the 1960s, uh, I mean, Jack Kirby deserves a, a lot of credit for this as well, but Stan Lee's I, one big idea over everything else was a coherent universe, which DC had been releasing comics since the 30s and still hadn't established, you know, people would cross over, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like a continuity matter. Yeah. And Lee made sure that Marvel had sort of continuity. So when they started making Marvel films as an independent company, they decided they were going to apply that to yeah. them as well. The idea to do that with DC came along much later after Marvel had already made it at it's least wild. six or seven films. Yeah, it's wild thinking about when Iron Man came out, right off the bat, they had um, S.H.I.E.L.D. ready yeah. to go. Uh, Nick Fury was ready to go at the end right. of it. 
You think you're the only superhero in the world? Mr. Stark, you become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Who the hell are you? Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Huh. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. In 2006, they were like, this is going to happen all the way now to Captain America Civil War, which is a team-up movie yeah. with a shit ton of characters. Um, is it, it seven? It might be seven. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, so, and then we get, you know, uh, DC trying to catch up with, uh, like, Suicide Squad came out in 2016. Right. Um, there was the Fantastic Four reboot, um, you know, Avengers 2, which was bleh. Uh, um, there was a Power Rangers reboot. Yes. Um, there, and then I also wrote down, there are also some other non-traditional or hybrid or animated movies. Um, the Pop-Up Girls movie came yes. out in 2002. Oh, that's a good, I didn't even think about that. Um, which I guess is technically three, but whatever. Yeah, but that's, that's um, The Incredibles came out in 2004, yes. so like, wide acclaim. Um, um, the Incredibles came out, uh, in 2004 being the best Fantastic Four movie. Absolutely. 10,000%. <laughs> Fantastic Four wishes it was the Incredibles. Yeah. Um, there was Sky High in 2005, which was a combination of like high school movie and, um, superheroes. There was Zoom with Tim Allen and it was like a combination of like a family um, yeah. drama and, um, and like a school. Big Hero 6 came out in 2014, yeah. which was Disney's, uh, kind of like Japanese anime. But it is also Marvel property. Yeah. Um, and then there are the parodies. So there's Mystery Man in 1999 and the specials in yeah. 2000, which is wild to think about because I feel like those movies came out way ahead of their time. Yeah. It's like they think, imagine a parody now with so much like content to go through all these movies. As opposed to 1999, 2000, X-Men just came out in 2000. You know, there was not any of the... And that's what's interesting too, is it seems like the superhero parody has now been relegated to the independent film, which is a little strange because when you think about superhero films, you think about, you know, live, like spectacle and huge budgets and everything and there's uh, there was a couple other um uh low budget parodies i found uh and now i can't think of the names of them something with capes and whatnot but it's funny that like yeah it's all of these very low budget right i almost just like mystery men among rewatching it like when i was rewatching it i thought it probably would have landed a lot better had it given yeah. more time for the genre to expand um, because back then it is kind of, it, it was kind of like they're yelling at nothing that's happened yet. Right. You know, like, it, right. It, it, it's, it's funny because you look at the design and style and it's very clearly yeah. influenced by like the Joel Schumacher Batman films. And yeah, everything. totally. It's but, like very like zany and yeah. like crazy or whatever. Um, as opposed to like maybe a little not relevant, but thinking about like the scary movie franchise, uh, parodying horror films, there yeah. was so much to go through. Um, unfortunately for them, like, in 1999, who were they making fun of? Right. They were making fun of, like, the old Superman movies, the old Batman movies. There was right. not, like... It was, it was that. It was mostly, like, the Schumacher Batman films. Yeah, exactly. Like, I agree with you. They, I, w- I wish there'd been... Because there's such... There really is such, like, an ability to mine right. that It's, for it's their... almost like they were making fun of, like, companies at the time were certainly snapping up properties. Yeah. And there's a big, like, uh, joke in... Um, Silent Bob and Jay when they're like, you yeah, know, every everything's being bought up right now, but nothing had come out yet. Yeah. So it's like kind of like they're making fun of like, oh, they bought Daredevil and like right. whatever. And, but that those movies wouldn't come out until years later, which is just kind of like silly. And I wish I wish there was like a good like parody yeah. um out now. Because it seems like there's it's ripe for it. Um that's all I have. Uh real quick, uh, just because I did bring these books and I don't want them to go to waste. Uh 
Uh, right now I have this book in front of me called Slugfest, Inside the Epic 50-Year Battle Between Marvel and DC. It's by Reed Tucker. Uh, it just came out in October, um, if, you, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, I just want to mention on the origin of the superhero team um, in comic books. Um, the official version goes like this. One day in 1961, Goodman was playing a friendly uh, game of golf with DC's Jack Leibowitz when Leibowitz began bragging about the sales of his new Justice League of America, a title launched in 1960 that combined the company's marquee heroes, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman and the Flash into one powerful super team. Then Martin Goodman came back from his golf game with tales of the Justice League sales. Stan, I want you to make up a group of heroes because I think that's what's selling today. Stan asked his wife Joan for advice. She said, well, why don't you just once do a book the way you would like to do it instead of the way they want you to do it. She's like, well, you're going to quit anyway. Just do it. Stanley took the problem to his uh, sometime collaborator, Jack Kirby, and uh, they came up with the Fantastic Four. Inspired by the space race between America and Russia, four people who don't always get along try to beat the commies to the moon. Their rocket is bombarded by cosmic rays. The quartet crash land. And they've acquired superpowers. They team up, but they still don't always get along. Mr. Fantastic, would over-explain everything the way I tend to do. The thing would say, will you shut up? We got it already. And, and he and the torch were always arguing and fighting. The thing hated being the thing. And the idea of superheroes hating being a superhero was really a novelty. And it produced a lot of psychological richness, at least comparatively speaking, uh, that had not been seen in comic books before. And so it was with the creation of the Fantastic Four that uh, comic books really uh, entered into the modern era. Both men later insisted they never played golf together. Another version finds Goodman's hitting the links with the head of his distributor, Independent News, still another circulated by the freelancers of the day, has the crafty Goodman learning the sales information from spies planted within Independent. Whatever the case, the outcome was the same. Goodman said, hey, maybe there's a market for superheroes. Why don't you bring out a team like the Justice League? We could call it the Righteous League or something, Stanley recalled in 1977. I worked for him, and I had to do what he wanted, so I was willing to pull out a team of superheroes, but I figured I'll be damned if I was just going to copy DC. And uh, it's funny, I have another book in front of me that talks about the creation of Fantastic Four, because really the first two were Justice, Four, Justice yeah. League and Fantastic Four. And this is from the prologue of a book that came out in 2015 called uh, Marvel Comics The Untold Story by Sean Howe. Um, it said, uh, it, it took a few days of jotting down a million notes, Lee would remember years later, crossing them out, jotting down a million more times until we finally came up with four characters that I thought would work together as a team. I wrote an outline containing the basic description of the new characters and the somewhat offbeat storyline and gave it to my most trusted and dependable artist, the incredibly talented Jack Kirby. He took what Stan was doing and Stan, it's not like Stan was made to change. Stan was still doing his monster stories, except that these monsters turned into heroes. And it worked. Who would have predicted it? I can't even imagine. Some people say that the initial plan was, okay, we'll revive Captain America and the Submariner and the Human Torch. Other people say Stan had a vision. Other people say Jack had a vision. It's a little difficult to sort through all these things. But at some point, Stan and Jack put together the first issue of the Fantastic Four. And it had certain elements in it of the strip Jack had just done for DC called The Challenges of the Unknown. It had certain elements of the 40s timely comics. They brought back the Human Torch. But it had a lot in it that nobody had done in comics before. It was a very fresh, new kind of comic. 
and uh, it caught on. Somewhere along the line with the FF, Jack broke all the boundaries. You know, he just exploded. His imagination took off. What a vehicle the FF was for him, you know, and he created the FF, you know. And anybody who thinks otherwise doesn't understand Jack Kirby, because you think Stan Lee could have created the FF? No. Stan was the, was the instigator, and frankly, if Jack had written it, it would have been a bust. Marvel was on its ass, literally, when I came around. They were practically hauling out furniture, Kirby said. They were beginning to move, and Stanley was sitting there crying. I told them how to hold everything, and I pledged that I would give them the kind of books that would up their sales and keep them in business. This much is certain. In the middle of 1961, Lee and Kirby threw together 25 pages of story and art attached to a crude logo, and thousands of copies of Fantastic Four Number 1 were shipped off to take their place on newsstand tables and spinner racks across the country, wedged between the latest issues of Millie the Model and Kid Colt Outlaw. And I just think that's really interesting that the the uh, the creation of superhero teams was financially motivated from the beginning by totally. DC. It was like let's take all of our characters, put them together in a book, and they'll sell more. And then the like creation of the the modern way of doing it because the thing that set the Fantastic Four apart from Justice League is the Justice League weren't weren't defined characters as they were like stalwart and and righteous and yeah. and fantastic four were a family and they fought amongst each other uh-huh. constantly and i think that's more of where you see the genesis of the current super team yeah. those internal struggles those right. family dynamics and everything uh but yeah i just wanted to bust out these books can i show... say really quickly that i appreciate your stanley voice yeah oh i thank you that, that was very excelsior <laughs> um but anyways that's like you could be a voice actor for like I don't know a fighting game with Stan Lee and like Jack Kirby. <laughs> I could be a voice actor in a small Pan Pacific nation. Finish <laughs> 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 room, and then Stanley's like Excelsior, <laughs> and then I'll get him. Yes. Um, should we go into our picks? Absolutely. Uh, let's do our, our five star reviews. Okay. I kind of already knew what my pick was going to be, and I rewatched this movie, um, and I was like, yes, correct, yes. Um, my, and, and this is the most basic answer, and I don't want you to judge me, and America, do not judge me, but my pick is Captain America Civil War. Really? Yeah. I'm shocked, and I am judging you, but anyways. Um, from 2016, directed by the Russo Brothers, and I remember mo- this movie came out Right after Batman vs. Superman. Yes. Which is... Or right before... Around. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was right after. Yeah. I think it was after because I had, I saw Batman vs. Superman and thought it was the worst thing I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and I saw this right after... And, and you know what? Here's the thing. I saw Batman vs. Superman and I thought... I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. I was like, you know what? DC had a lot of work to do in this movie. They're trying... <laughs> like, there's so much to do. And, like, I guess how could they... How could they make this movie good when they're trying to, like, lay all this groundwork? How could they... And then I fucking see Civil War, which has like 80,000 characters in it, and cut to me crying while fucking Iron Man and Captain America are beating the shit out of each other. I was, like, I was like, I am emotional. I was like, holy shit. Not only did this movie like do all like the fighting or whatever, it introduced a new fucking Spider-Man. Like, True. And, 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 and not in a like, Oh, whoops, there he is. Like, a, a, small, a small little way. It was like, here's fucking Tony Stark walking over to Queens and, like, having a whole scene talking to him out of costume and then having him fight in that big airport battle. And I was like, that was completely satisfying. And it's so rare now when you're going to movies and, like, especially these comic book nerdy things where it's like, oh, well, they say they're going to have 
X character come out or make a cameo or whatever. Those are rarely satisfying. Seeing Spider-Man in this was actually really, I was like, oh, this kid is actually really good. And I'm not sad that Andrew Garfield is gone now, you know? Yeah. Anyway, um, Civil War is based on um, a really popular, famous uh, storyline um, in the comic book world. And it's essentially about the... It's like it, there's there's layers to it. There's the politics of who is in charge of the Avengers, you know, and what happens when shit goes awry and people are injured. Um, and Tony Stark is feeling guilty about, you know, um, the people that died in Sokovia in Avengers 2. And um, Captain America has gone on a mission and Scarlet Witch, her powers have gone awry and they didn't see a bomb and lots of people died, including people from Wakanda. And so it's an international incident. And so uh, in the comic books, it's almost purely political. It's kind of always like unmask or not. The movie takes it onto a lot of different levels where it's... The movie has a much harder time like establishing that, I find, because in the movie, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, secret identities don't really matter. Right. But And so in the movie, it's less about secret identities and it's more about who is in charge of the Avengers and the the solution that the government decides is, you know, the UN will have a task force and they'll tell them where to go and what to do. Right. Captain America is like, I'm not really feeling that. That's kind of fucked up. We should be the ones who are deciding this stuff. Tony Stark is feeling guilty about, you know, um, the lives lost in their previous battles. And so that's like, kind of like the genesis. But then there's all this like layers of inner, like the relationships that are happening. Yeah. And while this is entirely going on, I'm waiting for who's the big bad. Right. Who is the big bad guy? Because almost in all, like, good guys fighting good guys, in the end, it always is like they're fighting each other, and then they realize they need to come together to fight the the greater evil. Yeah. And so I'm waiting for it. I'm fucking waiting for that Nemo guy played by Daniel Brühl. Daniel Brühl. Who is, like, so sexy and so villainous. <laughs> I'm waiting him for, like, to reveal... That's like, actually in his resume. Yeah, yeah. Um, villainous and sexy. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for him to, like, reveal the big master plot. The, the big thing. And it never fucking comes because, like, this was the first time I've seen a movie like this where it's not about that. It literally is not. Same thing with him. He just wants vengeance. He's grieving over the loss of his wife and kid yeah. in, in that battle that Tony is feeling guilty about. And the whole idea of, you know, Tony and um, Cap, even though they have these, like, differences over, like, who should manage the Avengers, in the end, they're really fighting because they do not think the relationship is what it was. He's my friend. So was I. <laughs> Stay down. Final warning. I could do this all day. Spoiler alert. Sorry about it. Uh, Winter Soldier is revealed to have killed Tony's parents. Yeah. And so Captain America is like, it wasn't him. He was brainwashed. And Iron Man's like, wait, you fucking knew about this? Right. And he's like, sorry about it. I did. I thought it was going to like, you know. And so that... To me, that's the weirdest twist in the movie is that Captain America knew about it. He was trying to spare him, whatever. I... Could not believe. I was like, holy shit, that's what we're fighting about? Like, and, and it was such an emotional, like, sucker punch. Because I thought it was going to be like, you know what, guys? We're right. here to, like, do the one good thing to, like, save the world. Um, 
and and it work and it works on a couple levels also because the the thing that's been established over the course of many many films is Tony Stark is ego driven regardless yeah. of if he thinks he's right if he thinks he's wrong like he does things yeah. because they impact him himself and right. like part of his being a superhero is ego yeah you know that um Captain America's superheroics are selfless yeah and so his concept of the saving Tony that pain, he thinks he's doing the right thing by being a better friend and mm-hmm. keeping that from him because he knows in the long run that will only damage Tony and also protect his friend, you know, yeah, uh, Bucky from from what would happen because he also knows how easily Tony Stark's ego is fed. It's uh, uh, it's it's such a like I mean it, it's like such a corny sappy and I don't give a fuck. This was not Batman versus Superman like Martha. Uh, like part, part of that is, and I do kind of want to question this. Part of that is, I think the Martha thing is very stupid. Don't worry. And I've to this day not seen the full thing of Batman vs Superman. And I don't care if I ever do. I'll be honest. Uh, which sucks because I've actually seen every Batman film opening night. Wow. And that was the first one I was like, no, no. thank you. Um, but uh, keep me pure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but um, would you feel the way that you feel for those characters? Had they not, had Tony Stark not been set up over four films already and Captain America hadn't already, or five films and Captain America hadn't already been set up over four films. Because that's probably the weakest thing about Marvel movies is they've gotten to a point where they barely stand on their own. You need to have the homework done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... (sighs) I, it's hard for me to be unbiased because not only have I seen other movies, right. but I, and I'm with you. Right. Like I'm, I'm we, a fan. Right? I'm, we've 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 yeah. read the comic books and we know about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I there are also other things happening though. It's right. Between the, I mean, it, uh, Natasha Scarlett Johansson's character, Black Widow, she does does a double cross also, yeah. and she has a great scene with Tony with when he's like, "Oh, I guess you're always a fucking like secret agent, and that's just who you're right. always going to be." And she's like, bitch, he wasn't gonna stop. Like, right. and I, and he thinks what he's doing is right and it's fine. And so there's all this actual real internal conflict as opposed to, you know, like, uh, I don't like the way that you deliver your justice. <laughs> you know, like in the end, of course they all want to do good and save lives. And there's no debating that it's, and and really the debate about like who governs that is so secondary to this other thing where it's just like this is my friend i need right. to help him out and i'm sorry that that fucks you up right um there's also the, the black panther part of it where he is also seeking vengeance for the death of his father he's he's also a a first time introduced character yeah. as well and yeah. i actually do think they they handle him pretty well i just could not believe i so after i watched civil war i was like oh that's right. how you do... Like, there's Ant-Man in this movie. Right. There is, like... And, they bring in Hawkeye in this and movie. I, and I notori- notoriously, but... Uh, <laughs> the in, people in, do know. Yeah, in, in my circles, I don't like the movie. I think Ant-Man's a bad movie. Yeah. But uh, I thought he was used really well. In this yeah, film I mean, they, they bring back Hawkeye for that, that little yeah. second. There's even enough time and space for Peggy Carter to die. Yeah. And Sharon to be in it. Yeah, that I don't know if that's necessarily handled the best, but I, I'll give I'll give it to you. The, but All I'm saying is it was the same amount of time as Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. There was ten more characters involved, yeah. and I never was like, I'm bored. What time is it? The um, My... And this is just me, and I know I've met other critics who have the same issue. I actually like Civil War as well, so I, this is not a, a knock on it because I I don't mind. I love serialized television, like that's and that sounds like an insult, but that, I think the serialization of the Marvel universe really puts off some critics because 
they feel that like it become it gets to a point where it becomes inaccessible to the casual viewer sure which is a little weird that because most critics are not casual viewers anyways right so it's kind of funny that they it's like they, oh you haven't seen yeah. like the past 10 movies yeah exactly so, it, so it always strikes me a little hollow when they when they complain about that but at the same time uh i mean i do understand it, it becomes a, like i i saw the new thor which is also a teen movie weirdly enough and uh and it's great but it leaned so heavy into the continuity with its mythos. With, yeah, with its prior films and not just its prior films, but the other prior <laughs> films. Doctor the, Strange yeah, movies. That I was like, wow, if you just walked into this movie, you'd be really confused. But, uh, but I also enjoyed it. So, yeah. hey. And, it, and, it, and I think also at like just the sugar candy level, yeah. just seeing like the, these 10 powerhouse yeah. people like walk up on each other and then seeing Ant-Man for the first time right. grow super large. And, and it's funny because in a way it strikes a similar chord that I'm sure it was striking in audiences in the 1940s when you had like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman yeah. or House of Dracula. You know, these films in which you bring together these powerhouse characters that yeah. people kind of want to see interact with each other. Yeah. It just very much felt, like the last thing I'll say about it, it was just very much felt like holy shit, the payoff yeah. was worth it. Like, yeah. I have invested in all these movies and seeing them all here and realize, and their best versions of, like, right. that we've seen yet, I was like, yes, this was worth the, the wait. The, uh, so my, I actually, I was torn between two, but I think I'm going to pick the latter now because, but I did want to mention mine was going to be the first Avengers film because I think that really depthly handles uh, the... Uh, interactions between characters it gives them all great moments each and it doesn't because each film has only had except for Iron Man has only had one film before it it doesn't rely so heavily on the continuity that's come before in the right. other films most of that stuff comes from Loki but you kind of get the idea Loki's a bad dude anyways right um, you don't need a lot to go into Avengers and appreciate it I will say the opening sequence of Avengers though is awful it's a terrible way to begin a movie but I, I think the the strongest to date um, film that's really handled that sort of multiple character super team is X-Men 2. Uh, X- Love the yeah. concept. X2, X- U- X-Men United, the dumbest title. Um, X2, X-Men United. Yeah. Right. And it's a, it's probably the best film Brian Singer's directed. And let me tell you, I'm not a Brian Singer fan. Um, he, in fact, if you were, if I were, if you were to tell me that X-Men Apocalypse was directed 90% by second unit directors, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Sounds I right. believe it. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Um, no style? Cool. <laughs> um, but uh, X2, the thing that it does is it really doubles down on character work. You yeah. really get to experience a lot of um, the the sort of inner turmoil of what it's like to be a mutant. I Just, just to give a, a basic plot of X-Men 2, um, the X-Men are now being hunted by a a rogue group of uh, military people run by William Stryker, who uh, is, was uh, involved in the creation of Wolverine. Um, and by that, I mean they gave him his uh, adamantium skeleton. And he just wants to eliminate uh, mutants. mutants. And what's great about this, too, and different than most of the other X-Men films, is it supplies you a, mil- a villain that's not Magneto. And really the groundwork that they've laid in the previous film, though this movie doesn't rely super heavily on it, um, with Magneto being the villain, it becomes a great twist when they have to start working with Magneto and Mystique to stop this guy. The from only home- true yeah. Mystique. 
Yeah, Rebecca to, Romaine. To, to be clear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jennifer um, who? Uh, oh my god, best line reading in, in the movie is there's this, there's a scene towards the end after they're, they've teamed up with Magneto and Mystique and they're all riding in the Blackbird and, uh, Magneto keeps staring at Rogue because in the previous film, uh, she got her white streak from yeah. having touched him for too long and, uh, they're whispering to each other, giggling and. They're such mean girls. Like yeah, exactly. We love what you've done with your hair. Hey, hey, come on. That's what he I'm like. He's like, what are you going to do, scratch it with your claws? Yes, Ian, Ian McKellen. I think it's one of the most brilliant casts, and I think it's because it's a, a slightly unexpected cast. Uh, I think Halle Berry actually, for the first time, becomes Storm because she's awful in the first X-Men, and it's not just the wig. It's whatever. she did, she In the first movie, no one talks about this. She has an accent. Right. She, she drops it for the second film, thank God. Um uh, you have Fonky Janssen as uh, Jean Grey and um, James Marsden. James Marsden as Cyclops. Alan Cumming as Nightcrawler. Yeah, and Nightcrawler Perfect. is hands down my favorite X Men ever. And he that opening yeah. sequence when he it's uh, Nightcrawler like that, speaking of ways to begin a fucking movie. Yeah, hello, Night, Nightcrawler attempting to assassinate the president because he's being brainwashed by William Stryker. So good. Yeah, is still and looking at it still, it still holds up. Yeah. It's a really beautiful and interesting scene. I think there's a lot of really interesting character work. And what's great about the X Men is, uh, it was you know it's a metaphor for civil rights for people that don't necessarily fit in. Um, I could pick up one of these books, but I'll just summarize real quick. Uh. It's not known how much Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were really, really, really thinking about that. Like, it's an easy scapegoat. I mean, it's very clear that Magneto has a lot of the ethos of Malcolm X, and Professor X has a lot of the ethos of Martin Luther King Jr., and it's two very polarizing ways of of, of looking at the, the civil rights movement, but it applies itself so well to any marginalized group that wants that wants to fight for their equality whether you know you're fighting sexism racism homophobia and that's the thing that i've always loved about x-men is they really make you feel what it's like to empathize with the outsider um and that's why i've always loved nightcrawler because he's the most outside you can get there's like a great scene where he's talking to mystique excuse me they say you can imitate anybody even their voice. Even their voice. Then why not stay in disguise all the time? You know? Look like everyone else. Because we shouldn't have to. And that's why the fucking Jennifer Lawrence mystique is such bullshit. Because real mystique would never look like Jennifer and, Lawrence. And it, and it kills me because it's so clear with the Jennifer Lawrence mystique that that's payment motiva- motivated. Oh, she's, yeah. she's like, if I'm going to be in this fucking movie, I'm not going to wear that makeup. And they're also like, oh, people are paying to see Jennifer Lawrence. Garbage. Garbage. Garbage because Rebecca Romaine is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Absolutely. And she has such screen presence. And she has one of the best fight sequences in that movie, yeah. too. And that's what I mean about everybody gets their moment. You have a lot, obviously a lot of stuff with Wolverine and Hugh Jackman. I also think that's really, like... He's fine in the first X-Men. Everything about the first X-Men movie is fine. It's base level fine. Mm -hmm. Like, and it really sets the blueprint for the way most superhero films are handled for the next 10 years. Uh, but the second movie sort of ups the game 
by giving everybody, you know, you do have, you have a lot of chemistry between Halle Berry and Alan Cumming. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have a lot of chemistry between the, the love triangle between Logan Jean Grey and Cyclops. And then you have the, the kids really being introduced for the first time, uh, which is Iceman, you know, him having to come out to his parents, which yeah. is a very funny scene, but yeah. also like darkly twinged. Yeah. So, uh, when did you first know you were a, a mutant? Uh, you have to understand. We thought Bobby was going to a school for the gifted. Bobby is gifted. We know that. We just didn't realize we still love you, Bobby. It's just this mutant problem is a little what mutant problem? Complicated. What exactly are you, Professor of, Mr. Logan? Art. Uh, You have Pyro, who's like kind of um, a smaller character in the comic books, but they really made him his own and gave him that arc of like. Really seeing that he doesn't ever believe he can right. trust people yep. and believing in Magneto. And everybody, everybody's given like a really solid moment. And somehow the movie is still not like three hours long. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just really think the second X-Men movie, uh, in terms of the way it sort of left everything off, uh, yeah, it, it's really the progenitor of a lot of that. And I think it's one of the, the best uh, as there is. I agree. Um, Hard agree. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to get into the ending, but yeah, it's great. A lot of great action too. An amazing fight sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, were there any other films that you thought of? Because um, now off the top of my head, there's just so many. Um, but, 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 I thought like you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, really fun. Um, you know, uh, visually way more uh, interesting than say any of like the Avengers movies. Really, like Marvel does have like kind of boring looking like very washed out uh everything is blue and orange right and as speaking as a colorblind american <laughs> um yeah it still gets me right too. guardians yeah. was is beautiful and like yeah. they're really not so um kind of way obviously we mentioned the incredibles before oh my god um, incredibles um, 10, yeah unfortunately a lot of shit went down with uh pixar since we did our pixar episode right but um the trailer for the second one of that just came out i'm really excited for that uh mm-hmm. Um, I watched this, like, not amazing movie, but, like, really cute kids movie called Rise of the Guardians. Uh, it's a animated feature about Jack, Jack Frost, Frost, who, right, who right. becomes part of a superhero group with mostly Christian effigies. I don't know why. Uh, it's Hugh, like the Sandman. Yeah, it, but also, like, Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Hugh Jackman plays the Easter Bunny. Alec Baldwin plays a very Russian Santa Claus. Isla Fisher plays the Tooth Fairy. Jude Law is the Boogeyman, um, who's the villain. And it's, like... Very cute and harmless uh-huh. and like I don't know I didn't hate it but no kids movie should be over an hour and a half and it's like oh my close God. to two hours Absolutely and I not. do not need that. Um, another one that I really wanted to put in, especially since once I realized that we that I laid the groundwork for four is uh, this movie from two thousand four, this independent film that I love called Debs. I don't know if you've ever yes, yeah. Debs. Debs has the most adorable lesbian love that it's well, I should explain. Debs is like a parody of Charlie's Angels in right. a way. It's uh four plaid skirted schoolgirls who are groomed by a secret government agency to become the newest members of an elite international defense group, Debs. And um Sarah Foster plays Amy, uh, who is uh like a sweet, um very uh virginal member of the team goody two shoes and she falls in love with their villain lucy diamond played by jordana brewster which was amazing my first introduction to jordana brewster and i've loved her forever since and i know that she's in a lot of bad shit but in my book she can do no wrong right good for her yeah scott i don't know how this happened to me but 
Being bad doesn't feel good anymore. Do you love her? You're willing to give up all this? Life of crime, the whole nine yards? Whatever it takes. All right, then. We're going in. What? We got to get her back. And it was written and directed by Angela Robinson. And there's not there's not going to be a lot of female directors or writers on no. this list. So I did want to point out, it's really great. It's very independent, uh, as I mentioned. Uh, but please give it a shot. It's it's kind of great. Debs, I love that. Yeah. she uh, she Angela Robinson, by the way, if you've heard her name recently, uh, it's because she just directed Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Which oh, is, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which about is about Wonder the creation Woman. of Wonder Woman. So. How do you feel about Watchmen? It's I I don't love it. I I never I never want to recommend watching a longer Zack Snyder film. Right. But I will say I feel the the longer cut of it which is out on DVD and Blu-ray is probably better. It gives more room to breathe. One of my problems with Zack Snyder has always been he's not a director who's interested in character in any way shape or form and the longer version actually does give some some room to the characters. There's a lot of really stupid ridiculousness in it. Um, the fucking scene that's set to uh, Hallelujah is like laugh out loud in the theater. Uh, <laughs> everybody was laughing when I saw it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very okay adaptation of Watchmen. Yeah, so I had not read it before I watched the movie. I have since read the graphic novel. Um, I thought it was visually very interesting and engaging seeing, um, is it? Billy Crudup? Yes. And I, that's, I will, I, even though I, as I've said, I don't think Zack Snyder's that interested in character work or acting. Um, I think Billy Crudup and, um, Rorschach, I mm-hmm. think his name, uh, they, they both deserve a lot of credit for doing a lot with their roles and, and being really powerful presences in kind of a mediocre film. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I think uh, Malin Ackerman, who I really like and has done a lot of things post this that I really like, yeah. is trash in the movie. So Spectre, is that her name right Yeah, now? yeah. And I think Patrick... Uh, Wilson? Wilson is also trash in the movie. And I don't think either of them... It's it's hard because yeah. like they're both super fucking hot. Yes. And I think, oh, yeah, yeah. And I think Zack Snyder just wanted them to be hot and like really exploits them for their hotness. But if they could have replaced Patrick Wilson with Jordana Brewster and had Malin Ackerman and Jordana Perfect. Brewster kiss, is that... What, I, well, is that I, my fantasy? Is that am I revealing too much? <laughs> all I care about is we got to see Billy Crudup's blue wing. Yeah. Um, and he's like a You giant. know that's like CG though. That's probably not Billy Crudup's actual one. It probably is, so fuck off. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to our one-star one reviews. My pick is 2003's The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, it's really bad. It is beyond bad. Yeah. I... <laughs> the movie... So The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I have not read a lick of this comic book, so yeah. I did not know anything about it. When I originally watched it as a kid... Um, as a kid, I was what in high school, maybe. <laughs> um, I was like drawn in and like really excited to watch it because in my like mediocre teen brain, it was like, oh, you've got like Invisible Man, a vampire, uh, you know, Mina Harker from Dracula, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> it's just like all these like Sawyer from America. It's all these like lore characters coming together to like be a team. Um, upon rewatching it. 
it is beyond uh, pedestrian and um, garbage, and I don't know. There, there once a time, the, the well, source the- material is great. And like the, it's like modern Alan Moore, which is not always the best, but like modern, but this is really like his bag. And he really gets into the whole like Victorian, like really connecting everything and making it make sense. And like it's dark and it's brooding and it's really interestingly drawn. And I suddenly can't think of the name of the artist, but like he deserves as much credit as Alan Moore. This, um, this was a time when, um, Sean, um, Connery, and, um, oh god, what's his name? It's escaping me. Sh- uh, Shane West. Shane West, whose character is not in the book, by the way. Good. Yeah. Oh, but also, like, you, and you can tell. It was almost like... Uh, Ke- uh, Kevin O'Neill, sorry, is the artist. On, I, I just, sure. I hate when people don't credit the artist as well. So. This, this is a time when Shane West was a draw yeah. for, like, teens... Because he's, like, dreamy or whatever. And you could just tell that the studio was like, we need, like, a younger person to help sell this movie. And they were like, here, this... And he's Sawyer, so, like, oh, American mythos, <laughs> whatever. Um, and this was, like, Sean Connery's last movie before he went into retirement. This movie caused him to go into retirement. And there... You know what? He fucking passed on The Matrix because he thought that it wasn't going to be... Because he was going to play uh, Morpheus. You fucking idiot, And, and Sean then Connery. he did this movie. You <laughs> fucking idiot. Um, so there are so many bad things about this movie. It's essentially, uh, uh, what's his name in this movie? Sean Connery is, uh, he's, uh, Alan Quartermain. Quartermain. Yeah. Um, of the, of the King Solomon's Mines. Book. Right. And so he, like, is in Africa being colonial as fuck. And, um, the Phantom is, like, stealing shit. Oh, and God, he's, the inclusion of the Phantom. And he's, like, st- st- really gross. And he's, like, Starting, he's essentially like bombing the shit out of London and Germany right. to like start like to try and start shit. Yeah, he's he's trying to initiate World War One before World War One actually right. happens. And essentially, he's it's an arms race. Yeah, and he's the one that has all the weapons, and he's gonna want to sell to them. The use of like newspaper, yeah, um, to like help move the story along is insane. It's like spin, 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 spin. Germany says, not us. Spin, 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 spin. London says, we're going to get you back. Spin, 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 spin. Like, over and over and over. And not only that, then we get to M to go find Quarterman, and it's like, London and Germany are fighting. And tells us the same information that we right. just got from the... Like, why? Why? The, this movie holds your you, hand for every you know fucking step of the way. There's so much stupid shit about it, too. Like, the Invisible Man in the graphic novel is the Invisible Man. This from, one is not. From H.U.L.'s. Yeah, because they couldn't get the rights right. to the name. It's an Invisible Man. Yeah. Um, and they changed the name to, like, Skinner. Also, I was just really uncomfortable with the army of, like, colonial Indian men who do yeah, everything yeah, yeah. and get mowed down. Yeah. You know, they're the... the... It's, it's weird. I will say this. This is one of the very first portrayals of Captain Nemo as actually Indian, even though yeah. he is in the book and yet years and years people have just like white right. white people playing him i'm all i'm more offended by there are lines like bomb voyage um the line um when so dorian gray played by Stuart townsend yeah which r.i.p girl your career um <laughs> is fighting the vampire lady and he he like puts the stake through her and I'd get to nail you one more time. I didn't think it'd be literally. And I was like, ah! <laughs> screaming. I could not, like, the amount of, like, misogyny in this movie. Yeah. They make an Invisible Man character touch her ass. I was like, are you 
fucking real. Um, this movie's beyond bad. It's so, so, yeah. so, 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 so bad. Um, can I tell you one simple fact that actually deserves probably like an, oh, honey. Mm-hmm. Oh, honey. Sure. I saw this movie twice in the theaters. Twice? Twice. On purpose. Yeah. I had other friends who wanted to go, and I can't say no. Right. You're sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's real bad. It's It's bottom of the barrel. Real bad. Um, I'm done. Okay. Your turn. Um, My turn? Uh, I'm going to go broad here. I'm giving it to every single Fantastic Four movie that has ever been made. That's four movies. Right. That's four movies. Um, so I'll do this as quick as possible. I'm not going to get into the plot specifics of any of them, even though three of them have the same plot. Um, there was a Fantastic Four movie made in 1994. It was produced by famed film producer Roger Corman, who is known for making films very cheap and on the fast. And uh, he, his name is on it. He didn't direct it, though. But uh, it was, like I mentioned, 1994, uh, they got a bunch of cheap actors together. They were going to lose the rights to Fantastic Four. They bought it from Marvel for $250,000. Holy shit. And, um, they, if That's they, a lot of money for back then. Yeah. And if you if they didn't get it started at this by a certain date, they were gonna the rights were going to revert back. So they make this cheap, very, very cheap run-of-the-mill movie. But some reason gets the Fantastic Four more right than anybody else has. Really? But it's, but it's still bad. Yeah. They they really captured what was I mean it's it's really weird. Um, I've seen this movie. Re- I saw it. The the nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah I me saw too. It there's a there's a documentary coming out and I can't wait or has come out and I've not I've not seen it. You okay. can find it on YouTube. Oh, oh the, the actual yeah, film. Yeah. And it's wild because like uh, Mr. Fantastic to like escape puts his foot underneath yes. this like entrapment device and like just kicks open the thing and I was like. What? But the plot of the the plot of all Fantastic Four movies is they're four people. They're caught uh, by a cosmic storm. It gives them powers. Um, there's Reed Richards who can stretch. He sees Mister Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, Sue Richards. Uh, she can turn invisible. She can turn other things invisible, and she basically has telekinesis. Um, there's the Human Torch, Johnny Storm, who's Sue's brother, um, and he can burst into flame and fly. And then there's Ben Grimm, the thing, who is cursed to look like an orange rock monster. And I'll give the 1994 version this. I'm still amazed. I mean, you can kind of see where the zipper is, but that costume is still kind of amazing for a movie that's made when really cheap. When he was talking, I was like, did they just put, like, a black piece of, like, something? <laughs> so, like, his mouth hole is just, like, black, and it's like... Bark, bark, bark. <laughs> it's also the only movie, though, that where they show him... While he's the thing to revert back to normal. Yeah. And then back into the thing. Yeah. Um, which is not a thing that happens. That, which is not a real yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. What, what kind of a thing have I turned into? Man. What have you done? What have you done? We're going to go get some help, Ben. So that happens, uh, and it's, it's not released. It's not released exactly anywhere. Yeah, not direct to video, not in theaters, nothing. Uh, fun fact about it too: Mark Ruffalo, as an early struggling actor, auditioned for Doctor Doom. Oh my god! Yeah, he would have been great. He would. I mean, he's he's great in general. Call me. Flash forward eleven years later, Fox now owns the right to Fantastic Four. They're going through meeting after meeting with many, many different directors. And my favorite pitch was actually the director of Ant-Man, who oh. also directed Bring It On, Reed... Um, Richards, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Reed Wright, is it? Uh, no, it's uh, Reed... Peyton. Peyton, yeah, Peyton Reed, sorry. Uh, Peyton Reed, who wanted to do it as like a 1960s family comedy. Love that. Like, and I was like, that sounds cool. No. Instead, they go with Tim Story, the director of Barbershop. What? I'm not saying that he can't direct something like this, but like, what? Like, what about him 
made <laughs> made Fox be like, yeah, you know what? Yes. Exactly. Um same story. Family gets caught in cosmic rays. This time Doctor Doom's with them. Mm-hmm. So he gets the power to turn into metal but also make magnet stuff. I don't know. It doesn't make any Electricity, sense. Electricity, maybe. Yeah. This cast is Ian Grofield, uh, Jessica Alba, Chris Evans, and Michael Chiklis as the thing, who's like probably the best casting. Yeah. Um, I will say real quick, it is so fucking disrespectful that they cast Jessica Alba and made her wear blue contacts yeah. and a blonde wig for this. Absolutely. Like, if you're gonna cast someone and like do a race bent thing, just yeah. let it live. Yeah. And also, Jessica, honey, have some self-respect. Yeah. The, she could have said no. The, the most inspired casting to me was actually Carrie Washington as Alicia Masters, yeah. but then they didn't give her anything. No. Um, Julian McMahon plays Victor Von Doom. He wants revenge against them because he's a big dick. And the other weird, crazy thing about this is it's written by Mark Frost of Twin Peaks fame. Weird. Yeah. And uh, it's bad. It's all around bad. It doesn't look good. It's a very it, like pain by numbers, like yeah. origin story that's like boring. The, the comedy... It has a lot of comedy in it, and I will give them points for trying because that's one of the things about the Fantastic Four is that it is very comedic uh, because they are a bickering family. Um, but isn't it like Sue can't control being naked? Right, exactly. Like, but it's like it's all yeah, exactly all the comedy is like super base. Seems like you and Alicia are doing well, annoyingly so, in fact. Yeah, I'm a lucky guy. Yeah, you are. Question for you though. How do you guys, um... That's none of your business! Okay, all right, I'm just concerned. I'd hate to wake up one morning and find out she was killed in a rock slide. Two years later, they made a sequel called Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. in which they clearly spent all their money on the Silver Surfer, um, who, voiced by Lawrence Fishburne, but played by Doug Jones, uh, which I believe was like kind of a blow to Doug Jones' ego, because he was not informed that he would be dubbed. Oh, fuck. That and, sucks. Yeah. Uh, once again, Tim Story, but uh, Mark Frost gets a credit on the screenplay, but Don Payne, who I actually like, um, who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, um, is is really a credited writer. And like, it's a slightly tighter movie, but that's not saying much. In this movie, Silver Surfer comes to Earth. He's a herald of Galactus, which is an intergalactic being that eats planets. In this movie, for some reason, it's a cloud, mm-hmm. not an actual giant person like it right. is in the comic books. I guess they thought that was too ridiculous. Not the Silver Surfer. <laughs> but, but let's throw in a scene in which Reed dances. Ugh. I can't remember that, and I feel good about it. If you're making a superhero movie... Don't make your characters dance. <laughs> That's just, They're not Sam Rockwell. Yeah, exactly. Just do that for me. And it's a movie that looks all right, mostly because of the Silver Surfer again. Um, the comedy is still really, really fucking basement level. So then finally, ten years later, mm-hmm. we get 2015's Fantastic Four, um, which I saw at a drive-in theater because at that point that it came out, yeah, everybody knew it was a disaster. Yeah, it was uh, like it. That production was like, yeah, uh, it was a. Everyone knew it was a mess. Everyone knew this movie right. was like millions of reshoots, people right. wearing wigs and shit to like come uh, back. So in this version of the film, you have Miles Teller, who is, in my opinion, just a the most punchable per- face. Yeah, most punchable face and a personality suck. Like he just <laughs> takes everyone down with him. Um, is Reed Richards. Uh, Michael B. Jordan plays Johnny Storm, which was the only casting I ended up liking because it pissed so many people off. And I was like, right. good, fuck you. Like, right, right, right. right. Um, Kate Mara playing Sue Storm and having the most miserable time of her life. And Jamie Bell. I'm so sorry, Jamie Bell. We love you, Jamie, yeah. so much. But 
Why? Um, and then Toby Kebbell is uh, Victor Von Doom in this version. Um, this steals a lot from the Ultimate comics, so instead yeah. of them going to space and getting, uh, like, uh, uh, the cosmic, cosmic rays. rays, it's uh, an after effect from traveling to another dimension and the then coming back. zone? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it has a lot of problems. Uh, it, directed by Josh Trank, famously, who had, like, a real issue putting it all together. Um, he was, wanted to make a horror movie. Yeah. He wanted to make, like, a body horror movie. A lot of that doesn't exist in the film. And none of it, like, is yeah. scary or interesting in that way. Um, the character work isn't great. You, you never really understand. One of the things that's cool about the relationship between Ben Grimm and Reed Richards is Ben Grimm was, like, a friend of Reed Richards. Uh, but he was also a skilled pilot, so he needed to be aboard that spaceship. Yeah. In this film, it doesn't necessarily make sense. It, like, you, you begin to question why Reed Richards would with ever him. hang out with Ben Grimm. Yeah. Also, a lot of strange character choices, like Ben Grimm's famous, like, quotable line, it's clobbering time, is a thing that was shouted at him before he was abused. Yeah. And so, like, the, the, the switch for that. Also, it's interesting when you watch this film, because they get their powers, and then it flashes ahead. Yeah, months later. Months later. And it's very clear that the months later is almost all reshoots. And a very easy way to point out the reshoots is Kate Mara is clearly wearing a wig in yeah. all of her reshoots. And it's like, you done fucked up that lace front. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel really bad. I mean, like, I, it almost feels like they were like, okay, guys, we're going to do a darker, grittier yeah. Christopher Nolan version of Fantastic Four. And I would... I don't know. I get the body of horror kind of thing. Like, yeah, it probably would be fucking scary if you, like, came back from a universe and your, right. like, limbs were, like, all wobbly and shit. Hey. They're gonna send me on a project. Like Ben? We should use these powers to do something. They're not powers. They're aggressively abnormal physical conditions that okay. we're gonna fix. Can you right. turn that off? And what if they can't? What if it takes more time to get it right? We could be talking years. I am not going to be a tool. It just never, like, delivers on the right. promise of it. And that probably was, like, Josh Strang had an idea and a vision, and the studio was like, but we're not going to do that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just a mess. And I think the Fantastic Four should be one of the easiest superhero teams to put together. And once again, mentioned The Incredibles before. I think that's a really excellent, really beautiful way that they were able to create that family team dynamic and make it play out and make it work. It's coming back! Stop it. The only thing hard enough to penetrate it is itself. It's getting closer. It doesn't work. Kids. There's just something about that that seems inescapable. Yeah. And I think one of the problems Josh Trank had is he really moved it away from that family dynamic. He yeah. made them so much more generic yeah. by trying to make this horror film. I don't think that Josh Trank's Fantastic Four is the worst of the bunch, though. I don't either. I, I know a lot of people... I hadn't seen it I think the while. 1994 one's the best of the bunch, though. Which is fucking wild. I mean, it's it's like the best because it's so bad. It was it was bad. I, I feel bad. I mean, like the, this is like one of the the, the first original teams, yeah, and uh, most storied. There's lots of like, there is lots of story to tell from them. Yeah. And unfortunately, we have three movies of their origins and like yeah. nothing. Right. So and it's cursed. It is. And I, I do. I think it's a property that for some reason just doesn't seem to be able to be adapted. I do have one more film that I, I didn't particularly like, but I don't think it's the worst. Um, it's this Russian superhero movie that came out this year um, with four Soviet superheroes 
teaming up to save uh, Moscow from um, destruction. And it's just really badly done. It's all badly handled. It's called the Guardians. Um, and one of them has, like, rock powers. One of them is, like, water powers but can turn invisible. One of them uh, is, like, super fast but contr- kind of controls the wind. He's a martial artist. And one of them can turn into a bear. Oh, <laughs> love that. Super strong bear. And uh, I just... It was really kind of a culture shock to watch it because, like, it's very clearly influenced by Western American superhero movies. But at the same time, like... Avatar you, The Last Airbender? Yeah, if you if you watch... Um, if you watch an American superhero movie, like, if they destroy a city, it's a big deal. Like, that's one of the things in Civil War. Civil War is because of what happened in Sokovia yeah. during Age of, Age of Ultron. In The Guardians, in the end, like, they're, they're trying to stop the villain from destroying Moscow and taking over the world. He succeeds in destroying Moscow as they beat him. And then, like, there's, like, a montage of, like, news stuff. And then Moscow's just rebuilt and nobody's, like, talking about it. And it just felt to me like a very Russian. It's like, we've done this before. It's fine. Yeah, this is our history. It's fine. We're, we're fine. And I was, I, that was such a culture shock to me. I was like, what? Uh, but yeah. You're like, sure, Jan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, let's move into our fast forward. So Justice League just came out. Yes. Um, and it's garbage. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, you know, they tried and, and I will say that you, for that movie, could you tell the obvious reshoots? Cause that's, I've heard a lot of people say that. It's like, weird really... because I was, all I was on, I was on mustache duty. I was just like looking for the, the mustache. So Henry Cavill had to come back to do reshoots. He had grown this yeah. mustache for Mission Impossible 6. Yeah. And so literally every time I saw him on screen, I was like, that does look a little weird. His upper lip looks a little weird. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the movie, uh, Ezra Miller has a lot to do, unfortunately. Like, not, I like him a lot, but like, it's kind of like they pulled him aside and said, Hey, everything you do, just make it like funny and weird and be like kooky. And it's, it's just like so uneven. I will say, um, Aquaman is cool. Mara was cool seeing Amber Heard. Um, and they have a movie coming out, I guess, soon, which is cool. Um, Cyborg was just like the Eeyore of the group. And also... Uh, I mean, he looks bad just from the trailers. I mean, it's weird. At the end of the movie, they they kind of like... And he has like now like an actual chest. And so like he like... Whatever. Gal Gadot's great. Ben Affleck is the most uncomfortable Batman I've ever seen in my life. Um, Henry Cavill is the most gorgeous human being I've ever seen in my life. Um, So yeah, I mean, it it was nice like when they all line up on top of whatever. I'm like, oh, they do look good. I can see... You know, Warner Bros. being like, yes, this looks like an Avengers team. Or, um, and, Justice League team. And not that we really do too much TV here, but the first three episodes of The Runaways, which is yeah. um, Marvel's new Hulu show, which is weird because they have such a big contract with Netflix, uh, dropped this week. We both watched it. Um, yeah. I don't want to speak for you. I found it to be a little slow, and um, I'm not loving it in comparison to the comic books yeah. at the moment but we are only three episodes in. yeah i love the comic books yeah like this too. maybe my one of my favorite um comic books i've ever read um yeah it's a little slow uh but the characters like the kids themselves are yeah. engaging enough yeah and i like the actress playing the kids i really like gert a lot mm-hmm. um i'm excited i'm excited to see where they go with it but also i'm worried about the languid pace and just yeah. like getting to it and also i don't give a shit about the parents pa- the parents are really like i don't want to see them yeah I don't care if one of them is Spike from Buffy. I really don't. No. Before we move into just talking about other stuff and superhero teams, uh, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, 
famous superhero movie hater, Dan Walber, um, was kind enough to supply me of a list of films that neither of us could find, unfortunately. Okay. But, like, I do want to point out superhero movies, superhero teams are not a new thing for any, you know, other nations outside of the yeah. U.S. as well. To uh, Samson and the Mighty Challenge from 1964, which is actually a Hercules movie from Italy, cool. Um, is is a team up movie. Uh, I did want to point out Conan the Destroyer from 1984, which is the second Conan movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, in which he ends up teaming up with um, Wilt Chamberlain and uh, Grace Jones and Mako. Like, excuse it, me, yeah, it, it, it's a nuts movie. It's not good. It's uh, but uh, Wilt isn't good. Yeah, it's shocking. Um, and then like, there's just this run of Filipino superhero movies. Oh, um, and yeah, and I wish I could find any of them. There's a very popular one from 1995 called uh, Batang X. Uh, it's a group of five children with superhuman potential kidnapped by Dr. Axis, an alien stranded on Earth with her spaceship. She needs her powers in order to steal material, uh, in order to get back off the planet. There's a TV sequel that just started airing a couple years ago over there. There's a Super Neopi from uh, 2006. Six childhood friends discover their parents are legendary Super Neopi, the most powerful superheroes in the land, but the parents are taken hostage. The six have to form together to save them. Um, There's Super Wan Tree, which I believe is actually a a comedy, um, but also from the Philippines, uh, filmed in Tagalog. It's from 85. So like I said, these are not necessarily new things uh and then one that i really wanted to find is a south korean film uh called and i'm gonna butcher this so please be kind to me uh sam jung seong uh which is an alien scientist escapes from his planet and finds his way to earth however he is followed by evil joanna and her gang on earth um and it's a team movie uh and i if anybody can find any of these movies please you know point me in the direction of them that reminds me I guess we didn't mention if there's a Sailor Moon movie, Voltron, yes. yeah, yeah, stuff. Um, yeah. Totally, yeah, there's, yeah. It's I was gonna say that the team aspect's not anything new for most other countries, but it seems to be the current bread and butter of American. Totally, stuff. especially with new I, technology. I was actually hoping to find some uh, Bollywood movies, um, oh. and I could not. So, but I do know that they're they're big over there. Um, what do we have to look forward to as far as like Marvel things or like? Uh, DC things. I guess we have Infinity War coming. We have Infinity War. I don't know. I'm I'm incredibly cautious about in- Infinity War because there's so many ways to fuck it up. And I think part of that is leaning on the sort of like, did you pay attention? Do you know everything? Do you? And I worry about that. I also. I think they're okay directors. I don't think the Russo directors are like amazing directors. And that worries me because this is a big fucking movie. To quote Joe Biden, it's a big <laughs> fucking deal. <laughs> I mean, will this, I mean, it will be bigger than Civil War, but yeah. I think they handled Civil War. I do. I do. Well. I don't think Civil War is the best looking film, but I think they handled it well. Right. But I think I will say Marvel maybe has now, I mean, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yeah. looked amazing. It was really lush. It was um, really lush. And, and, that, so, and that was partially because, um, uh, what's his face? The director, uh, really pushed them. James Gunn. James Gunn really pushed them to start using new cameras and new lighting techniques yeah. in a way that they had been forcing everybody to do all along. And him being like, no, let's try something to do. Yeah, yeah. And I think, especially after seeing Thor 3. Yeah. Um, with Taika Waititi, who also really injected a lot of color and a lot of a yeah. lot of Jack Kirby into it, right? Yeah, it looked like a comic. Yeah, and so I'm hoping all these things are coming together. And 
for me, mostly Marvel movies are getting better and better. Yeah. Like, I'm sure we'll suffer, like, a really bad movie once in a while. Like, you know, they can't all be fucking great, and that's fine. Um, I think them splitting the movie up in two parts is smart. Yes. Um, And so for now, I'm optimistic. I think all the parts are in place. Um, But I think what excites me the most is that this very much feels like the natural end to this big yeah. world that they've created. And so like Robert Downey Jr. is like 55 years old now. Yeah, yeah. And he like, thank you so much for all your service. Yeah. Like it's time for rest. Uh, I think Chris Evans is fucking done being Captain America. Yeah. yeah. Um, I and, think he was done after the second movie, but, but like, and I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm uh, like, they will finish all this shit up and then yeah, they're going to have to recast. And that's the thing. And well, like, I'm, I mean, I'm not even thinking about recasting. I'm thinking about like, all right, let's bring in some more fucking black Panther people yeah, yeah. and like other people that can like usher in this new age of like Avengers and shit. Yeah. I don't really need to see Captain America anymore. I don't need to see Iron Man anymore. And like, it'd be fun once in a while to have him pop in and say, you, Hi, I was going to say, you know, that's never going to happen though. You, I mean, I mean, in your wildest dreams. Yes. But like, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> because as we mentioned at the top of the show, superhero teams were created to generate money. Right. I mean, Marvel's <laughs> not going to like stop wanting to make money, but like, they're like, okay. <laughs> I would love that. Marvel's like, we've decided not make more money. Bye. <laughs> um, but like, you know, they made Ant-Man and there's right. a new Ant-Man movie coming out and um, Black Panther. And so there's all these like other, I mean, they're, they're not like wanting for characters. Right. Um, and so I think Doctor Strange has just appeared on the radar. I'll be honest. If, if we're, if we're moving in an era in which we have these big team up movies, I, I do want, I, I don't want to go to movies where I, I don't, care care about that yeah. yeah and i i want like we i get, need, want need that that's one of the things that i love about x2 and yeah. as i mentioned before you care about and, all of them yeah yeah i just really hope like if we if we're moving towards this uh more character work i did i forgot one uh that i a movie that i love and just real quick right before the end um if it counts as a super team uh monster squad not because of the kids as a super team but an evil team. So Monster Squad is filmed in the 1980s, um, in which the basically the Universal Studios monsters goes after a group of kids. It's like Dracula wants to destroy the world, and he gets himself a gill man, he gets himself a werewolf, he gets himself a mummy, he brings Frankenstein's monster back to life, and he's gonna ruin everything. But Frankenstein's monster turns on him. And it's so fucking good. It was originally written as the sequel to Goonies. Oh. Um, and they decided not to go. They were like, oh, we don't really want to go a supernatural route. Um, it's one of my favorite October movies. So yeah, you should watch Monster Squad. That will be on my list. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, Famous quotes, Wolfman's got nards. Nards? Nards. I don't know that. I mean, how can we top that? Yeah. How can we top Nards? <laughs> I don't think we can. So, yeah, uh, that has been this issue. Issue. <laughs> that has been this episode of the Mixed Reviews. If you want to find us online, if you want to correct us or tell us we're doing an amazing job or just get in on the conversation, you can find us at, at the Mixed Reviews at twitter.com. On Facebook, we're the Mixed Reviews. And you can also email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. 
And we're like everywhere. You can yeah. find us on iTunes, um, SoundCloud, Stitcher uh, Radio, Google Play, Google Play Music. And um, if you are listening to us on iTunes, please feel free to drop by the store and rate and review us because it helps other people find our lovely voices. And you can just also like leave a comment how sexy we sound. Yeah, because we have voices for. Thanks, mom. <laughs> um, but that's, uh, that's not weird. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we're gonna go away for two weeks. We're gonna decide on another topic. We'll be back mid. December and uh, I will come back from my first European trip. Oh my god. I've never been. I'm really jealous. Yeah. Alright, bye guys. Bye. I'm living in that 21st century Doing something mean to it Do it better than anybody you ever seen Do it Screams from the 80s Got a nice ring to it I guess every superhero need his theme